This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to not just another episode of Breaking Pod, but the final episode of Breaking Pod. I'm Zach, joined as always by my co-host, Josh Goldman. Josh, we have made it. How are you? Wow, we've made it to the end. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have reached the end. I mean, it was really fun recapping the whole series. I think we talked about it. It's, a, it's like a different analysis of the show when you watch it to talk about it, you know, every episode as opposed to just even watching it again or rewatching it or watching it for the first time. So, you know, I had a new appreciation for things that I didn't think I would appreciate. And there were other times when I was thinking like, okay, we could we could get through this episode. Um, but but for the most part, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I don't know if you had the same experience rewatching. I did. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of your uh, forbearance in our recording start time this evening. Um, as I just told you before we hit record, I was late to start this podcast with you because I was watching the pilot episode with my dad for the first time. He's never seen it before. And even now, I mean, this would be, I think, the fifth time I've seen the pilot episode. I'm still picking up on things that I didn't notice the first time through. So there's just, there's always more to sort of, to, to, to mine from it, which is cool. And yeah, I mean, you're right. It was, well, it was 63 episodes, I think, or 62 yeah. episodes. Um, two episodes. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, and so at, at times it certainly felt like a slog and we had some late nights recording where we put these episodes together, et cetera. But, uh, I mean, looking back on it, I'm really, really glad that we did it. I think uh, I learned a lot and really had fun ultimately at the end of the day, each recording session, I was always like, you know, I'm glad we did that. It was a good discussion. Yeah. And I think, I think also for, for me, the biggest thing was sort of looking back and, you know, before we started this podcast, which we'll talk about towards the end of this last episode that we're recording here, you know, one of the questions that you posed or one of the the things you said to me initially was, I think this is the greatest show ever made. And, and I didn't really know how to respond to that because I'd seen all of Breaking Bad, but then being able to rewatch it, it helped solidify my position. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. That's a little tease for what's coming up in this podcast. But yeah, I, I appreciated being able to like go back and actually have a solid foundation for my reasoning for is it or is it not the best show of all time? Nice. Well, I look forward to hearing your response because I really don't know what you're going to say. I I, yeah. I hope you'll agree with me and say it is, of course, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, see. So we released the first episode of this on April 8th, 2019. I crunched some numbers, Josh. That was 623 days ago. Wow. So it's been a 623 day journey. You know, if you if you do the rough math, that's roughly 10 calendar days per episode. Uh, yeah. We, you know, this year, calendar year 2020, we've tried to be pretty consistent about um, once once a week and then in the past, for, for the last season, about twice a week. Um, but, you know, in, in 2019, we had some some uh, trouble getting into a regular rhythm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so that's why it took so long. But yeah, so 600, 623 days later, here we are finally wrapping it up. We've done every single episode and now we're just going to do a kind of a, a recap episode, talk about some other things. And then do a little tease of what is next to come because you and I aren't done, Josh. We're we're going to collaborate yet again on another podcast project. It'll be a little bit different, but uh, also a little bit the same. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's talk about some things here, Josh. We've got some some of our, our big questions to answer at the end. We've got a question from a Reddit user who uh, wanted us to, to break this down on the podcast today. We'll get to that. But maybe as a first question, one idea that you had was, you know, we've talked about a lot of these main characters on the show. What about an auxiliary character? Who do we like as an auxiliary character? And how do you define that? Well, you define it, Josh, and, and talk me through your system there. Yeah, so I went back through and looked at the MVP votes we gave to people. And I said, let's just say, you know, for good measure, we'll, we'll say anybody who received five or more MVP votes, they're not going to be eligible here. So that includes Walt, Jesse, Skyler, Hank, Gus Fring, Mike and Marie. And then I thought, well, the obvious answer, if you exclude those people, is probably going to be Saul. But I think he's also, he could also be excluded here because he did get his own spinoff show, a prequel. And so some of our, or at least a lot of my reasoning for choosing him, while I do agree he's a great auxiliary character in Breaking Bad, was you get so much of his backstory in Better Call Saul that it would prompt me to pick him. So we'll exclude him as well. So everybody else is on the table. And I think there are lots of good options, but I'm curious to hear what you think, Zach, because you could either go someone who appears 
throughout most of the series. So you could go with someone like a skinny Peter Badger who is in the first season. Walt Jr., all the way, leading Walt Jr. candidate. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about him, even though he's <laughs> last on our MVP votes here. But or you could go with someone who had played a pivotal role in one season who might not have uh, might not have gotten the screen time enough to get five MVP votes. Uh, you could go with a fly if you wanted uh, an insect if you had to. Um, so, Zach, I'm curious, where are you going to go for this auxiliary character pick? Well, as shocking as it may be, it's not going to be Walt Jr. Um, and also, it's not going to be the other Dark Horse candidate who I know you were thinking of, Ted Beneke. Um, <laughs> so it's neither of those two. You know, this it's a great question, though. And I was thinking through some of the characters. There are some really good ones. I mean, from like a sheer just sort of acting and like charisma and personality standpoint, uh, Tuco Salamanca early on is a fantastic character. Uh, he brings a lot of dynamism to the screen. I mean, he's also, you know, completely psychotic and deranged, but he's a just a fun character for the show. But I'm going to go in a slightly different direction for my pick here, and I'm going to go with Jane, Jesse's girlfriend, who um, meets an ignominious end uh, when she gets back onto drugs, and then Walt lets her aspirate on her own vomit. Um, she is such a sort of enigmatic character for the viewer, She's such a good character for Jesse. She's someone who offers, I think, to the viewer and to Jesse, like that there's a there, there's a better way, right? And it's actually Walt's action who cuts that offer short and ultimately lets her die. Um, but I think she's a she's a beautiful character. She's also a very tragic character, right? Like it's it's all you know. I've referred to this to this series before as an, an almost Shakespearean morality play, and she's. She strikes me as a, you know, a good character for a Shakespearean tragedy. Someone who has tried so hard to um, get off of her addiction and who, when she finally does, ends up just by happenstance renting out a house to another addict, falling in love with him, but then getting, you know, getting off the wagon because of that and ultimately dying because of it. Because, you know, the addict she fell in love with is wrapped up in the drug trade with this kingpin named heisenberg so she's a, a very tragic figure but a really good one a really powerful one i think for season two and i would say my favorite auxiliary character of the show yeah i think that's a great choice i was leaning in that direction i figured you were going to go with that so for the sake of a variety here i'm going to pick someone different i'm between two here and both of them are, are late season additions and i'm between todd and and lydia and the reason I'm between these two, I guess the reason that I'm focusing in on these two in particular is because of the pivotal role that they play in the last season. I think that, I guess I, I'm going to go with, I don't know, this is tough. I think I have to go with Todd. I, I, I don't like him as a character necessarily. It's, I don't think I have the same uh, you know affection towards him that you might have towards a character like Jane. But I think the importance that he plays in the show and as a foil to a character like Jesse can't be understated. We also talked about, I, I think I mentioned in one of our episodes where you see the, the two sides of the conversation between Walt when he's calling Todd and saying, look, I think we need to put out a hit on Jesse. And then you see Todd's reaction. I mean, you just get such a, a, a dichotomy of characters. And, you know, we also talked a little bit about how Todd as a character is like in some senses and in some cases, you're like, is this guy okay? And then he completely does something that is absolutely psychotic. And you're like, you're like, whoa, that is, this guy is insane. And I think that honestly, when you think about the scary characters, like the really frightening characters, not just in this show, but in, in any fiction, it's the ones that seem on the surface, like they could be totally normal. Like you think about that scene where he goes up to Andrea's house and it seems so calm and, and innocent at first. I mean, we as a viewer, especially on a rewatch, know what's going to happen. But I mean, like that is almost scarier than anything else. That's almost scarier than a Tuco Salamanca who is crazy, but predictably crazy. And and, and Todd is, is the kind of person who will really just look out for himself. So I think that because he played such an important role in this final season, I guess, you know, I think that he would be my pick for favorite auxiliary character based on how he fits into the plot of the story. No, I like your explanation of that a lot. And I, I briefly thought about him as well. I would also like to add two more honorable mentions. One is Steve Gomez. Yeah. Hank's longtime partner. Not like, not a fantastic character, but just like a loyal 
steady guy who's been there with the viewer since episode one and obviously also meets his end with Hank in that brave standoff. Just a loyal, you know, a loyal federal agent who's just like out there trying to do his job. And he and Hank have a great rapport from the very beginning. As I said, I was just watching the pilot with my dad. And when they go into to get Captain Cook, who ends up being Jesse, they later find out. Um, or I guess they don't even really find out. They miss him when they when they go in for the sting. But, you know, they hear Captain Cook and Steve Gomez is like, that's a white boy name. You know, he's, he's just funny. <laughs> uh, and the other one is Gail Bedecker. Yeah, he's just a really yeah, he's a really remarkable contrast to Walt, I think, right? Because as we find out and as we we witness, Walt's in the empire business in his own words. And Gail Bedecker is an example of a brilliant chemistry mind who sees the craft in a totally different way, right? Gail is not out for blood. Gail is not even out for making millions. He lives a comfortable existence in a tiny apartment. He puts on, you know, opera while he makes his tea, etc. Uh, but like what, what he does and what he wants to do is just make really good meth because the chemistry is like elegant and beautiful to him. You know, he has these meticulous notebooks, et cetera. And so just, he obviously meets his end, um, by Jesse's hand to save Walt, but it, he's just such an interesting contrast, I think with the person of Walt. So I think he's a really good character as well. Yeah. I, I like Gail as well. He would have been my other honorable mention if I were to give one. All right, Zach, let's move on to uh, something I found really interesting. When I was doing some research for the final episode of, of the series, Felina, I came across this article on the breakingbad.fandom.com. It's like the Breaking Bad wiki. And it's the list of deaths that happen on Breaking Bad. And, you know, someone went through painstakingly tallied up the number of people who died characters whether we see them or not on this show and after 62 episodes we have seen 274 deaths now this number is a little bit inflated only i mean not not technically i guess it did happen but they are counting the plane crash which accounts for a good number of the uh, of the total 260 274 so in the plane crash we had 167 unnamed passengers who who were killed there. But it's interesting if you look through the season one, I mean, you think about it, you know, it was only six or seven episodes. There were only two deaths. So we have Emilio and Crazy Eight, and both of them came as a result of things that happened in the very first episode of the series. And if you sort of look through this death count, I mean, like after the first season, it just skyrockets from there. And you start to see jesse and walt start to get involved in some of these things now obviously walt is involved in the the murder of crazy eight but we as we talked about when we recap that episode a lot of it might have been due to self-defense you know sort of like last case last chance for him to sort of escape like we even saw that crazy eight like was trying to kill him and and so walt sort of reacted to that but as you go through you start to see that walt is really involved in a lot of these deaths so much so that by, you know, the the end of season three, he's running over uh, drug dealers with his car in in season four. You know, obviously he pulls the whole thing off with Gus. So it's just really interesting. And if you look at the end of this article, we can link this in the show notes. They 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 list things out by top killers. And Walt is directly responsible for 13 murders, which equals Gus Fring, Jack Welker's gang, Uncle Jack, um, and is only behind, in terms of like individuals, the cousins who are mercenary killers, like that's their job. So it's it's really remarkable when you think about like, Walt is, you know, we think about him, oh, he's bad because he's a meth dealer, but like maybe he's actually bad because he's a he's a murderer. And also, you you know, he's connected to 15 other deaths, um, you know, because he puts out the hit in the in the uh, in the prisons to kill all of those people. And so it, it's really remarkable when you see it like listed out here that he is really responsible for a lot of death and destruction. So I just wanted to get your take on this, Zach. Like this is a, a pretty well documented list here. And um, Walt does not come out looking very good. When you lay, when you lay it out like this, no, I totally agree. I mean, we look at Gus when we meet him in season two, and we think this guy is a professional, a cold killer, 
and Walt is just caught up in all of this. But yeah, you're right. By the end of this, we have Walt connected to more deaths and certainly more murders than Gus. You know, so Gus is Gus has committed 13 murders, like you said, Walt 13, but that's not counting the five, right, that he contracted to be killed in the prison. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting right there. My other favorite thing about this this um, this document here is that they list out the last words of the the people who have died, and so some are like you know we obviously we get to Hank and he has that sort of like you know do what you're gonna do and then he's killed there. But my favorite one is when Hector is killed because he's not speaking, so they list it out as heavy grunting and breathing which is like i guess they were like how else do i describe this he's sort of like you know pushing the little thing and so i thought that was kind of funny as well that is funny yeah let's i'm looking looking at some of these other ones too as well um oh this is this is rough the two los pollos hermanos guards gasping for air oof yeah yeah that one's i mean when when you list it out like this it really is it really is one of those things where it's just really, it's a much more brutal scene. I mean, when you think about Breaking Bad, at least the way that I think about it, it's it's very, when I think about it, I think about it as being a cerebral show. So it's it's much more like, you know, thought provoking, not really action packed. I mean, obviously we have that last shootout in Felina, but there really are a lot of big set pieces that, you know, uh, come off with a lot of deaths of characters. So it's quite unfortunate. Well, and speaking of set pieces, I think the most vivid death in this whole show is the Tortuga improvised explosive yeah. bomb. And that, that was is, that was pretty bad. That is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I think when you talk about memorable deaths, I think you can probably think about Hank, you think about Jane, you think about, you know, Andrea on the porch, you think about the 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 young boy who Todd shoots. I mean, they're really ones that and that of course, like the plane crash. I mean, like yeah. you know, that's accounts for a lot of different people so yeah just fascinating we'll link this in the show notes so you can check it out if you're interested all right well let's go on to some uh, some rankings here josh so obviously our listeners know we like rankings a lot what is your favorite episode of the series and then the next thing we'll do is we'll rank our favorite seasons in order yeah this is tough because you know there are so many good episodes but I don't know. I think you might be surprised about this, Zach. I, I was I was teasing before we started recording that I was going to pick, you know, we've been talking all the time about the ringers list and I was going to pick Hazard Pay, which they rank as number 62 of 62 episodes, but I'm not going to choose that one. My personal favorite of the entire series is probably, and I don't know if this is recency bias or not. I think it has to be Granite State. Oh, wow. And okay. The reason that I like this episode so much, I mean, we talked about it just a couple podcast episodes ago. There's just such a change of scenery in this episode that it, for me, it's one of those ones that completely stands out from the rest. It looks different from everything else. It operates in a different way. You get this like really visual, visceral like feeling when you're watching it. You can feel Walt in this like purgatory state that he's in. And I just really appreciate how it was crafted. I think we talked about like the ability to come off of Ozymandias to something else that is equally or maybe not equally, but but stands up in terms of quality. That's just a really impressive feat. And I just really love like the progression of Walt as a character in the episode. It's it's almost like parts of it are just like a one man play, which I really like. You see him you can you can you can't read his mind but you can almost imagine what he's thinking as he sits in isolation in this cabin and so i really appreciate this episode and i'm going to rate it as my number 1 nice well i like that it's a it's a dark horse one i did not expect it from you but i do remember you really liking that when we talked about it uh so i'm not totally surprised that's a great call out i'm going to go with full measure which is the final episode of season 3 this is when, uh, you know, we season three is great, right? And and I'll just say this now. Season three is my favorite season of Breaking Bad. And I'll give you the rest of the rankings in a minute. But Full Measure obviously follows the episode Half Measure, which is also very good, uh, in, in, in wrapping up season three. And it's when this whole, like this, this very dramatic tension between them and Gus 
at least reaches a sort of resolution, right? Because Gail Bedecker is removed from the from the picture. And we have so many things going on in full measure. We have Walt's selfishness. We have his cold calculation. We have him, you know, pretending to Mike Ehrmantraut, like he's really sorry and will do anything. But then we we see that, we see his whole visits change. And as we talked about Brian Cranston's acting when we, when we did this episode, right? But the whole persona of Walt changes in that moment when he then recites Gail Bedecker's address, telling Mike that Jesse's on his way there to kill Gail. And it, it's such a powerful scene in a really powerful episode because it, you know, because it ties in all the drama between him and Gus, but also because of what it shows us about Walt and what then we see Jesse do. I mean, this, that is the moment I think for Jesse that really scars him more than anything else, understandably so. Um, and is really kind of a turning point or an inflection point for Jesse too. So I think full measure is probably my personal favorite, uh, in the series. Yeah, I think that's a great choice too. And I, I, I think that that image of Jesse, holding the gun at the you know that's the the cliffhanger image that you get is is probably for my money the one that i will remember most i mean that is like something that has been burned into my brain and, and you know when i was thinking about tv shows that i like and and tv shows that i revisit or or you know just ones that i think are really well done there are some that i just can't remember th that many details about this is one of those shows that has just moments that are emblazoned in my mind and that is certainly one of them the end of of season three zach you mentioned that that season three was your number one do you want to give the rest of your rankings and then i'll, I'll give my season rankings as well sure yeah so in descending order uh season three is my favorite for some of the reasons i already mentioned i love that we get the we get the sort of gus uh gus walt tension reaching dramatic heights in season three i think season two is my second favorite so three two um, season two is really good because we see a lot of character development. There's first of all more episodes. You know, this is the first full length seasons and season one was abridged. Um, so we get more character development. We get the introduction of Jane, who I already mentioned is one of my favorite characters in the show. We get a lot more development from Jesse and we just get more, uh, you know, we, we see more of the Heisenberg emerging really uh, from, from who Walt was and who we thought he was. So three, then two, and then I think I'll say season five after that. So three, two, five, and then four, and then one. And one mostly gets short shrifted. I mean, it does a really good job setting up the setting up the show. But as we talked about, it's a little bit slow. I think uh, it you know it, it turns people off from the show because they can't get through the you know seven slow episodes um, or whatever it is. Um, so I, I I would say that's my least favorite. I think, um, which is not to say that it's bad, right? It's 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 all great, but. Um, certainly the the least I think amount of character development in season one in part just because of the you know the writer's strike shortened the run etc yeah I think your rankings are pretty good I have the same last two as you so four and one are my number four and five and and to your point about season one I think that they hadn't really found their groove yet in terms right. of how they wanted the storytelling to go and and some of the things you might read about this show is that initially they wanted to kill Jesse off as a character. So so that tells you that they didn't even have a good idea of how he was going to play into the, the series. And once you get to season five, there's no possible way to imagine Breaking Bad without Jesse. Right. I mean, it would be a completely different show and probably wouldn't be as strong of a show if he wasn't there. So totally. that's that for me is 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 a uh, number five, the, the lowest ranked one. And season four, I like I think it. It's really, really good at the end of the season. You know, you get the the tension building to the the Gus Fring standoff. And, you know, your mileage might vary, as I know yours does, Zach, on on sort of the ultimate end for Gus Fring. But like, there's no denying that that is pun intended explosive like that. Those right. last two episodes are, are incredible episodes of, of television. So starting at the top now, I think my favorite season is season five. And I think the reason for this has a lot to do with the fact that it's the longest season that they ever produced 16 episodes versus 13 for two, three and four, and then seven for number one. But when you think about, you know, one of the things you had mentioned was that season four could have been the series finale. Like they didn't know if they were going to come back for season five. And, and then when they did find out, think about the amount of pressure that they had on them at that point to craft 16 episodes that really drove home this story of Walt and Jesse and Skylar and Hank. And, and when you think about the fact that they were mostly able to 
come. I mean, there were a couple duds in that 16. You probably could have knocked two, three episodes out of there. But the arc of the characters in this season, the ability to resolve it in a way where everybody thought, wow, they didn't blow this. Like they, they really they really came through with, you know, not necessarily a happy ending, but as you talked very eloquently in the last episode of our podcast about a very fitting end for Walt and not necessarily one, even if it might look like it on a, on its surface, not one of a hero. So I just think it's a really impressive feat to be able to craft a season of television, or in this case, they did it in two parts. So technically an A and B part with all that pressure on you. So that's why it's my number one. I think I have to go with number three as my second favorite. You know, you already talked pretty well about that. And then season two is my third favorite. So five, three, two, four, one. Okay. For me. Nice. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I can't, I, I can't quibble with any of your, your reasoning there. I think it's good. All, All right, right, Zach, bef- before you move on to our, our bigger questions, I just had to bring this up because this is something I came across uh, when I was doing some research on Breaking Bad, you know, for this final episode. I discovered that there was a a Colombian version of Breaking Bad called and and the main character is Walter Blanco. So <laughs> very, the, very the originally named. Called, yeah, I think the show is called uh, Metastasis or something like that. Yeah, it's it's like a a different play on like the periodic elements, but there is a maybe like 12 minute video on YouTube that I watch that basically compares and contrasts the show breaking bad to metastasis or whatever it's called and how basically they ripped the show word for word shot the for episodes shot. that they pulled <laughs> shot for shot, but just how poorly it was done. And my favorite thing about this, there's almost no way to do this justice, but you know, some of the most poignant moments in Breaking Bad are moments of silence or of like deep tension where there's there's really there you hear sort of ambient noise, but you're just hearing silence between the characters. And when you see the same scenes in the Walter Blanco version, they have this like really soap opera like music behind some of these scenes and it just completely kills the vibe. So I highly encourage if, if you're looking for a laugh, if you're looking for, you know, further proof why Breaking Bad is such a good show and why it's not just as easy as taking word for word, shot for shot and remaking it. I would encourage you to watch this this little 12 minute video. It's it's well worth the the short amount of time that you'll get. I, I certainly would not recommend watching this other version, <laughs> no. but but watch the little YouTube video that this person put together. It's quite fascinating. And this is actually a great segue because our next project is a, an episode by episode discussion <laughs> of metastasis. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. I think it's interesting because they did a like word for word, shot for shot ripoff, but there were only like 17 or 18 episodes. So they only did a very small portion. So like they did the pilot, they did Ozymandias, but like they missed a whole bunch of character development in the middle. So I'm not, not exactly sure. That's my most curious thing about this is like, how did they condense the rest into 15 episodes or whatever? But fascinating, fascinating stuff. Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now for metastasis and you might be underselling the acting here because Frank Ramirez, who plays the role of Hector Salamanca at the India Catalina Awards in 2016, won in the very well-known category of Best Antagonistic Actor of Telenovela <laughs> or Series. <laughs> oh, yeah. The classic. That's yeah. that's what everybody has on their mantle. Exactly. Right it's like It's like, you know, Oscar for Best Actor, Actress, and yeah. then... India Catalina Award for Best Antagonistic <laughs> Actor of a Telenovela. <laughs> I've got a spot on my mantle just ready for when I win one one day. Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, check out Walter Blanco in Metastasis. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, so this show has spawned some spinoffs. One is the Netflix original movie El Camino uh, that Vince Gilligan had a hand in and that we reviewed last year on this very podcast feed. The other one, of course, better known, uh, certainly more successful, is Better Call Saul, which has really taken a life of its own. I mean, Bob Odenkirk was such a strong Saul Goodman um, to run with, and I think he was such a fan favorite that Vince, Gill- Vince Gilligan was like, yeah, I think we can give this guy a backstory, and I think it can be really good. Um, I am not currently up to speed. I've seen a lot of Better Call Saul, I think about three seasons in, so I'm you know two seasons or so behind right now. I think you've seen more than I. You might even be current. But what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the broader Breaking Bad universe? 
yeah, I think that I think that these two and and I know they're planning more more movies or more you know something to. I don't know if it's going to follow El Camino follows Jesse immediately after the events of the series finale of Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul obviously uh, goes both in the past to to look at Saul Goodman or as he's known then Jimmy McGill. And then also into the future, you see him. I think Zach mentioned this. You see him as the manager of a Cinnabon after the events of of Breaking Bad sort of flash forwards that open each season of Better Call Saul. You know, I think that it's a mixed bag. And I actually think <clears throat> I mentioned this in our last episode, but that moment where Jesse drives off at the end of Felina, I think when I first watched it was one of the most like powerful moments for me, because I think I mentioned this, but you just didn't know like what he was. He happy? Was he sad? Was it just a, a release of emotion? And you had no, no way of knowing you know, what's what's next for this person. And I, I like that mystery. You know, I think there's a difference between something that can be confusing and something that can be mysterious. And for me, this was mysterious and that that was exciting for me. And I think that El Camino very solidly answers the question, like what happened to Jesse and, and where does he go? I mean, I don't I, I like that he got quote unquote a happy ending at the end of El Camino. Like you see him in a relatively safe place. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. But, you know, for the most part, I don't really love that they revisited that aspect of it. I would have rather seen a different part of Jesse's story, whether it was before or a piece that we missed during Breaking Bad, something like that. I didn't love that we got all this backstory on Jesse. As for Better Call Saul, I think it's excellent. I think that, Zach, when you do catch up, I think you're going to be more and more impressed with sort of like the character development. When I first heard they were spinning off a prequel based on Saul Goodman, you know, if you just watch Breaking Bad, you might think like, this is a horrible idea. Like he's, yeah. he's really for comic relief. I mean, like there's flashes of his intelligence as a lawyer in Breaking Bad, but I I, th- I was like, why are they doing this? This has to be just about money. This cannot be good. And it turns out that, you know, it's just finished its fifth season. They're going to come back for one more season for season six, and then they'll be finished with Better Call Saul. And I think it'll end up having about the same number of episodes that Breaking Bad did. And it's it's on the same level in terms of quality, in terms of character character development and and intensity of emotion and the ability of the main characters. Like Bob Odenkirk is a phenomenal actor. And I'm amazed at what they were able to mine from from this character. And it's well worth the watch if you haven't seen it. I have nothing to add to what you said. I think that was all well stated. I've been impressed just in the part of Better Call Saul that I have seen, exactly like you were saying, it, it, how much character development they've been able to mine from that character. And Bob Odenkirk is just, I mean, my respect for him has only increased since watching Better Call Saul. It's really good. Um, so I got some, I got some ideas for you, Josh. I mean, your, your comment there about how you wish that they did a prequel or something else for Jesse as opposed to a sequel that resonates with me a lot. I think Breaking Bad is strongest if it ends right when it ends and we don't see any more characters ever after that. So with that in mind, I've got a few prequel ideas to pitch you and I want you to tell me which of these sounds the best to you. We've got, um, we'll call it, you know, I'll, I'll give you the kind of the working title of these prequels okay. and you can tell me what you think. So Philadelphia Vice, the Mike Ehrmantraut story, right? Because he was a yeah. Philadelphia cop. I'm in on that one. Okay, cool. Um, we've also got uh, Say My Name, the Declan story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm okay. out. We've got, I'm like, it's just like Shark Tank. I'm like, I'm either in or <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. out. I'm out. We've got Paranoid, the Lydia Rodart Quail story. You know, on its surface, you might say no. I'm actually kind of curious about her as a character. I'd like to see her with, I'd like to see a little bit more character development of her because you you have to imagine that someone who gets into an illicit business who has a family, there's got to be more to the story than they just are. I just feel like there's more to mine there. So I'm, I'm in on that one. Okay, nice. Uh, and then we've got P.T. Cruiser, the Walt Jr. story. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% out on PT Cruiser. Okay, fair enough. This is the one, uh, on a serious note, this is the one that I'd want to see. Working title is Los Loco Pollos, and my Spanish is not good, but something like The Crazy Chicken, and that would be the Gus Fring story. Yeah, that, that, that to me, would be a good prequel. 
Yeah, it's interesting because both Gus and Mike appear in Better Call Saul, but they are, and and both of them have a lot to do, but you don't, you know, it really is, it is the Saul Goodman story. It is his foil in the in the show, Kim Wexler, you know, his right. girlfriend, and it's it's really their story. So they do get more to do. You learn a lot more about Mike as a character. You learn more about Gus, but I'd be interested in like a young Gus Fring. I'd be curious totally. to like see him as a younger person. Now, I think the problem you run into is that, you know, with, with the character of Mike, Jonathan Banks is so good as Mike with the character of, of Gus, Giancarlo Esposito is so good as Gus. Like if you're going to go super far back, you're going to have to cast different actors. And I think that would be the biggest challenge of like going far enough back to make it interesting. Could you run into a solo, a star Wars story problem where you have this, person who is not up to the task of playing Han Solo, you know, ultimately portraying him in a movie and then not coming close to what Harrison Ford did, that type of a situation. So yeah. if you found the right people, I certainly think the story would be interesting, but you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, especially I, I like the Gus Fring idea because of the, um, the whole Chilean background that is hinted at in Breaking Bad, but that we never actually learn about. Yeah. You know, it could like, be completely set outside the United States. Exactly. What role did he have in the Pinochet government, et cetera? Um, if this went in a sort of Star Wars expanded universe direction, not like recent Star Wars, but like early, you know, circa 2000 Star Wars where they go into like the, you know, the animated Clone Wars, et cetera. Do you see, uh, any interest in having like animated prequels for these? You could do an animated, uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm trying to think of it. If like Gus or Mike would be better for an animated show, probably like. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see Mike as an animated character. I kind of would be, too. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. <laughs> That's kind of what I was leaning to. But like you, you could, you could do that because you'd get around the problem that you're saying, right? Sure. Where you need someone to match the role of the, the, the talents That's of Giancarlo right. or Jonathan Banks. Yeah. I mean, I think probably when someone pitched, Clone Wars, they were like, ah, that's not going to work. Right. Anime, like we're used to Star Wars live action, like, but you know, Clone Wars was very successful, ran for seven seasons. So maybe we could pad Jonathan Banks's bank account and give him an animated series for the next seven years. Yeah. I'd I'd watch it. Philadelphia Vice. (laughs) Let's do it. I want to, I'll be the showrunners. Could you have a, could you have a spinoff series of like a buddy comedy, Skinny Pete and Badger? Oh, a hundred percent. And that, that would need to be animated, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be the perfect animated show. <laughs> that would you be... could even do like they would be one that you could see after all of the events because they were so like tangentially involved. In yeah, everything. that could be like, a sequel for sure. It's almost like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of like the Shakespearean world. It's like what happened to Skinny Pete and Badger? Like you just spin off one like little scene and like give them their own animated show. Oh, I like that idea a lot. That's really cute. I would I would watch I would watch a season of that on Netflix. I you know, 22 it. minutes an episode. That'd oh, be for fun. sure. It'd be, it'd be super fun. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's go to some questions here, Josh. Uh, so, so I put a, a post on Reddit. I'm not a Reddit power user, so I didn't get a ton of, uh, you know, upvotes and then responses, but a few people did respond. Got a great question from Reddit user based Muesli. Uh, Muesli is in like that, that sort of oatmeal cereal. Um, based Muesli, he or he or she said, when did you stop rooting for Walt? And are you on Team Skyler or Team Walt? So what do you think, Josh? Hmm. You know, if you were to have asked me the first time through the series, I would have probably said I never stopped rooting for Walt. And I think that was probably like the surface level view of the show. And I think that there are things about him that you feel bad about, you know, especially as you reach the end of the the series. I mean, like the even though he brought it on himself, the the fracture he creates with his family is is really sad. Um, but I think probably when he starts to encourage, I, I think for me, it's it's probably before this, but when he orders the hit on the people in the prison, that for me is like a really uh, uh, negative moment for him as a character. And, and mainly that's because of like the calmness that he has as he stands in his living room while he's waiting for the call. And he just knows that people are getting brutally murdered by his hand, essentially. And you know, we've talked about this before, but like when Walt shows no regret, when he shows no remorse, when he shows really no emotion towards the death of other people, that is the worst that someone can be because, you know, you get this character that is like devoid of any empathy or, you know, it it really does speak to like sociopathic tendencies. So that's late in the show though. So that's halfway through season five and that's when you stop rooting for him. 
it, I think it probably came before that, you know, like the whole thing with him manipulating Jesse to kill Gale is pretty, pretty rough as well. <clears throat> but I also think about um, the, the when he runs over the drug dealers, which is a couple episodes before the end of season three. Um, that to me is another one where like, yes, he's he's attempting to save someone. But like when you think about like having to do something so brutal as like run someone over and then he gets out of the car and he like there's someone like wounded on the ground and he tells Jesse to run. He's then has to pull out his gun and then like shoot someone like at point blank range. So that for me might be a better, an earlier point at which I have to stop rooting for him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to be honest, rooting for Walt for me is an uphill battle from the beginning. Um, but if I have to pinpoint a single moment in which I stop rooting for him entirely, it's Jane's death in Phoenix. Uh, I think it's the 12th episode of season two. Um, because like you were saying, the same reasons, Josh, but like he's just callously indifferent to her death there. Now he does kind of, we, we talked about this too, like you and I kind of remembered it a little bit differently, but he does sort of step back and put his hand over his mouth as if he can't believe what he's done, but he still did it. And I mean, you know, he, he totally torpedoed the happiness of Jesse. All Jesse wanted was this amazing girl that he had found, et cetera. And that's what Jane wanted for her life as well. And, um, and Walt let her die when he very, very easily could have saved her. So for me, that's the point at which I was like, okay, I'm done with you, Walter White. You're done. My only thing about that point is I totally agree with your reasoning there. But I think that what's hard about that moment in particular is that I think that the show works pretty hard to get you back on Walt's side by introducing Gus as the villain because Gus has seemingly no redeeming qualities. And so when you're looking at weighing one against the other, you sort of see like, all right, well, if I'm who am I going to pick here? Because they're the ones who are, you know, I think Jesse's obviously always an option for someone to root for. But um, but I think that by introducing a character like Gus, they want you to root for him at least through the end of season four. And yeah. then you sort of get that exchange with Skylar on the phone where he's like, I won. And it's like, oh, what, what, what's that? You just murdered someone and yeah. you said I won. OK, what's going on here? Right, right. Yeah, good point. No, no, that's that's very, uh, very well taken. As for if I'm on Team Skylar or Team Walt, I think I'm probably mostly on Team Jesse. Although if you're right. asking me between those two, it's definitely Skylar. And I, I think I spoke about my uh, affection towards the the pool scene um, when Skylar, how I really like that. And I like that, you know, her moments in that episode. And so, you know, when she's able to go toe to toe with Walt, I, I enjoy watching her and I'm definitely more on her side. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think by the end of the show, I'm really not a Skylar fan at all. Uh, but if I have to pick a side between her and Walt, I'm still going to go with her. And as I was watching the pilot again tonight with my dad, you know, um, my sister was watching it as well. And she, and she said, like, these two are really not good at communicating. And she's absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, remember, the pilot is where Walt's diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and he doesn't tell his wife. And yeah, literally the closing scene is them laying in bed and she says like I don't know what's going on with you lately but I can't do it when you don't talk to me like don't shut me out like that's all she's asking right and what does he do he just shuts her out you know so it's a while before he actually tells her about his diagnosis etc so yeah um so you know it's, it's really hard I mean it's hard to justify the decisions that Scott makes later on when she aids and abets but it's it's um you know, she's in a really bad position that he puts her in and it's all of his own doing early on in the show. And he, you know, he's leaving her to try to parent by herself, you know, a, a, a teenage boy, which has got to be all kinds of challenging. And then <laughs> yeah. an infant girl, which is, you know, I know from experience, all kinds of challenging. So, yeah. Um, so really tough to be against Skylar in that sense. One thing you see from Skylar, though, that you never really see from Walt is now, I don't know if it's just because she's been caught or what, but she does show some remorse and yeah. sort of. You know, like and I also feel like you really feel and you really know that she cares for her kids in a way that you're you're sort of back and forth with Walt. You're like, does he really care? And he even says in the last episode, like, I did this for me. So, you know, you never right. know. Yeah, totally. All right. So another question here. Let's go with our one that we raised in the very first episode. Right. And we've talked about this. So we don't need to beat a dead horse here, but just. You know, where are you now on this first question we raised about the whole show, which is basically, was Walt a bad guy from the beginning or was he a good guy 
who was gradually turned bad as a victim of his circumstances? Yeah, it's a it's a still a good question. I think if I remember correctly, I answered this that he is a a good person who is ultimately turned bad. Right. I think that I, I I think it's I think it's a little bit more complex than this. I think that it depends on your definition of bad guy. And I think that one thing that Walt has always had in his life that we are very much aware of by the end of the show is that Walt has a problem with pride and with ego. So if you consider those uh, elements that make you a bad person, then I would say that, yes, he's a bad guy from the start. And I think that his level of pride and ego grow and grow and grow as the show goes on. But I think he's already at a point that you might consider, you know, it, it pride is certainly one of the seven deadly sins that you hear about, you know, not just in, in religious uh, circles, but also it's just uh, popularly known that pride is one of those things that is is one of the the deadly sins. And I think that his prideful level, even as you just talked about, like in the pilot episode, he's so prideful he can't even tell his wife that he's terminally ill. And so I think if you look at it that from that perspective, I think that yes, he has always been a bad person, and he just continues to to get worse. Now the show. The title of the show is Breaking Bad. So I think maybe Vince Gilligan might argue that he wasn't always that bad of a guy and he broke bad over the course of the show. So have you changed your thoughts on this? Because you were firmly in the position of at the beginning that he was always a bad person. Yeah. And I, I think that my you're right to identify that, that you know, the, the question kind of poses a false binary, right? Um, and I think that, yes, I have adjusted my thinking on it a little bit, or maybe my thinking on it has sort of just become more complex, but I think you're right to point out that the fundamental problem here is pride, right? It's not that he's selfish. It's not that he's afraid of death. Uh, it's not that he is just mad at his coworkers for what he feels like was being wronged out of a sum of money that was actually his own, et cetera. Those are all sort of side effects of what the real issue is, which is pride, and as you pointed out, it's one of the seven deadly sins um, in in Catholic moral teaching. Uh, I mean, it's also it's also really the the primeval sin. It's the first sin in Catholic moral teaching. And so, you know, obviously Adam and Eve, uh, you know, as the uh, as the account goes, they try to take for themselves what is rightfully God's, and that is nothing else if not a sin of pride. And so it's, you know, there's also this, um, this line from those like early American primers from the 19th century that, you know, in, um, that pride goeth before the fall, right? In other words, it's, it's the prideful person who ends up falling the hardest. And I think, um, that's Walt's biggest problem, right? And, and, and this is, I think, relevant for viewers. And it's something that the, the movie, the show is trying to say that like that pride is one of the most devastating, if not the most devastating thing that a person can harbor because it can lie under the surface for so long. I mean, we learn in season five that Walt checked the stock price of gray matter technologies every single week since his termination there, since he parted with the company. That is something that he was doing even as a humble, apparently satisfied chemistry high school teacher. He was still like harboring this and nurturing it silently and it was all under the surface. And so... I think what you have is this man who at age 50, when he's diagnosed with lung cancer has been harboring all of this pride and all of this ego for decades. And it's that sort of, it's, it's his diagnosis that, that serves as the catalyst to ignite the flame, right? Just like the, just like the red phosphorus in the season, in the season one pilot that he dumps into the pan and it explodes, right? That's kind of like, the diagnosis on his sort of foundation of ego and pride that he's built up already. So it's not to say that, you know, from the beginning, Walt was a murderous, thieving villain who wanted to build a meth empire. That's obviously not the case. I mean, there's certainly character development and there's character progression. So to your point about, you know, did he break bad? Of course, you know, he, he became worse than he was to begin with, but he wasn't great to begin with because he had not had this lifetime of like building up these virtues. Instead, he had harbored all of these all of these things inside of him, all this pride and all this ego that positioned him for the Breaking Bad that he had. And again, I was watching the pilot today 
And there's that scene where Jesse asks him, what's going on with you? Like, do you have, you know, are you going crazy? Are you dying? As your partner, I've got to know what's going on. And instead of, instead of saying like, yeah, it's just about my cancer diagnosis and saving money for my kids, uh, Walt says, I'm awake, right? And we talked about that a lot, but I think that, that scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series because I think of what it tells us at the outset of what's going on, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's like this, this, um, this giant ego, this giant ball of pride and malice has been slumbering like a hibernating bear. And then the diagnosis is the catalyst that wakes him up and then he's ready to go, right? And, and um, you know, we see the progression of that over the five seasons, et cetera. But I think from that moment, Walt is not a great guy. Yeah, and I think too, like the the things about being murderous or or all the other sins that might come after that. I think if you don't have that initial level of pride that is bubbling and bubbling and bubbling, the other ones are not possible. So I think yeah. that you have to have a, a foundation of that from the start in order to progress into uglier and uglier things. And I think too, all of it's just sort of like coming together finally for me after sixty four episodes of recording and watching the show twice through. But like. Walt is like the chemistry, like you, like you were saying, like all of these elements came together within him to make him this terrible, terrible person that he is just like all the elements to make the meth had to come together in the exact right way to make it 99% pure or whatever. Like if all of this stuff didn't happen for Walt in the way that it did, we wouldn't have gotten the same character. And so I think that that's just representative of, of the whole show right there. Yeah, good point. So let's go on to this this final question we have, Josh. Is this the greatest show ever made? You know my answer. My answer is yes. But I'm curious to know, after you've watched it again, we've done the rewatch, we've done the in, in-depth discussions, what do you think, where do you land on this, on this, on my claim that it is the, it is the greatest show ever made? I'm going to try not to cop out here and like give you like a long-winded answer. I, I, I do want to explain myself a little bit, you know, but I, but I will sort of give a, a yes or no after that, I promise. I think that I, I look at this question in in a couple different ways. And I think the first thing I think about is, you know, when I break down what makes a good piece of art, you know, obviously art is subjective. So some people are going to like something, some people might not like something. I think one thing that you you can give Breaking Bad, even if you don't like the show, like even if you didn't find it enjoyable to watch, is that it is incredibly well thought out, well written. The characters are very well developed. They're very well drawn. I think the technical aspects of the show, if you just look at it from that perspective, and I'm talking about the acting here as well, the writing, the acting, the direction, the cinematography, the costume choices, I mean, everything is A++++. I mean, like, there's no denying that. So if you're if you're going to define greatest television show ever made based on those elements, I think certainly, yes, it is. If you were to find the, de- define the show as uh, something from an enjoyment level, I think this is where it gets a little tricky for me because... I watched the show for the first time through some some in real time, some on Netflix initially years and years ago. And then I did a whole rewatch as we did this podcast. I don't know if I find the show enjoyable. I mean, a lot of the episodes are really hard to watch. I mean, I was thinking back to even like season two when we see that episode Peekaboo, which is which was probably an honorable mention for one of my favorite episodes of the show. It's not something that I like want to revisit. It's not something I'm like, gosh, I had a tough day today. I'm going to go check out Peekaboo. You know, it's like. I think there's a difference between like important art and like enjoyable art. And so for me, when I think about, is this the, for me personally, is this the greatest show ever made? I would probably say no, only because while it does meet every criteria in terms of like the craft of the project of the show, for me, I just don't find it in like an enjoyable watch. There are certainly scenes that I enjoy watching. There are certainly moments that I enjoy. There are certainly like great action set pieces, great character moments. But for me, like I just don't find it one of those things where I like enjoy watching. And so then I was thinking like, all right, well, what is my favorite show? Like what is the greatest show for me? And I think that based on those criteria, I probably go like a comedic route. And I still, I have a hard time here too, because I I should caveat all of this by saying like I've not seen everything so there there could be shows out there that I you know would see and like be like this is it this is number one um I think when we initially had the idea to record this like 
I said The Americans is a, is a great show and I thought it was better than Breaking Bad. I think I will firmly say that that's probably not the case. I still think it's a good show, like sure, yeah. very well done. Um, also not super enjoyable to watch. It's not one like I'm itching to rewatch. So certainly on that perspective, but like, you know, I've always loved The Office. I've always loved Parks and Rec. Like those are kind of shows like for me that meet both like the standard of excellence in terms of the craft, but also I find enjoyable to watch too. So from my perspective, from my vantage point, it meets some of the criteria for greatest show ever made, but not other criteria. So I'm going to say no, but I hope that my answer was satisfactory enough that, that I, I, you don't stay mad at me forever. <laughs> no, definitely not. I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, some, one of the reasons why I say it's the greatest show ever made is just like to get discussion going, right? It's, it's kind of like having those completely meaningless and sort of boundless who's the goat debates, you know, in, yeah. in export, right? Because like, there's so many ways you can measure best. And, you know, to your point about like how you'd probably select a comedy, I totally hear that. I mean, The Office is fantastic. Silicon Valley, the HBO show, also fantastic. Like that's some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. And from an enjoyment perspective, I also prefer those to Breaking Bad like you do. Um, and, but like at the same time, you know, comparing Silicon Valley or The Office to Breaking Bad makes about as much sense as like comparing, uh, you know, Michael Angelo. No, that's, um, that's a little bit hyperbolic. But like comparing like a great Renaissance painter to like a comic book artist of the 20th century, right? Like not, not disparaging either of those, but they're just a very, very different medium. And so to compare yeah. and say like, which of these is better is kind of like missing the point. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, a challenging thing to evaluate the claim that it's the best show ever made. But I think you and I are at the same spot, right? That this is a fantastically uh, conceived and executed show that has valuable things to say about the human experience. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is, it's a ve very valuable piece of art in that sense, regardless of whether or not it's more enjoyable to watch than, you know, some of the best uh, comedic shows of our day. Yeah. And I think that's probably the, the problem when, when you talk about comparing any piece of art to another piece of art, it's right. like there, there are, there are pros and cons to almost everything. And, and so, you know, trying to compare someone's vision of the world with someone else's vision of the world doesn't always make sense. And so I th certainly think when you compare, you know, comedies versus dramas, it's all it's nearly impossible to sort of like say, well, is one better than the other? Because they're not meant to be taken the same way. They're not meant to be viewed in the same manner. So I think in that case, you're you're right on point that it's impossible to compare them. But, you know, I I would I think that the thing that I would say sort of in my my closing thought about Breaking Bad is this is probably not something I would watch again on my own. If someone I knew wanted to watch for the first time and they were like, I need someone to go on this journey with me, I would like you did tonight when you when you rewatch the pilot episode, I would absolutely go through it. And I think I could provide insight, especially after having talked about it for, you know, hours and hours and hours with you. And um, I, I would love to do that. This is not something I will probably revisit on my own, at least not immediately. Um, Whereas a comedy I could revisit after a week or a year or something like that. So I'm sure I'll come back to Breaking Bad at some point. But for now, I'm happy to be tapped out on the Breaking Bad universe. But if anybody out there is interested in doing a first watch, you know, and I'd be happy to rewatch it with them. There you go. The only the final thing I'll say, and I'll, I'll make an office reference while I do this. There's this this episode in the office that you probably remember, Josh, where uh, they're gathered outside. All the all the workers are gathered outside and. Uh, Jim suggests that they play Desert Island, right? And so they have to mm -hmm. they they have to like pick the books to bring on a Desert Island, and uh, it's it's a useful exercise. And I'll get to the sort of the point of this in a second. But like Angela says, uh, she only names two books, and one is the Bible, which is definitely understandable, uh, and the other is the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, <laughs> which is like these one of these like kind of pop theology books that were were popular in like the mid two thousands. Um, so it was very like appropriate for that time, but you know, probably many of our listeners don't even remember The Purpose Driven Life, right? And that speaks to how it was not a timeless book. It was very much like a book of 2006 or whatever whatever year it was that it came out. And so, you know, when I think about, you know, making these sort of claims about what constitutes art, I think sometimes if I was, if I was you know, stuck on a desert island with only one show to watch ever, what would it be? 
And I think that if I were choosing between The Office and Breaking Bad, I would choose, in fact, I know I would choose the Breaking Bad because The Office might provide me with some light entertainment, but Breaking Bad helps me to understand human nature. Like it helps me to access, I think, more, uh, more profound uh, insights about reality that um, are, you know, not bottomless, certainly. It's, it's, a, it's a finite piece of art after all, but there's a lot there to unpack. You know, like I said, on the fourth rewatch, still got a lot of stuff out of it. So that's one thing that I think about it as far as like diagnosing or, or comparing two works of art. Um, what would I want to be stranded with? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think too, like the other, the other piece about Breaking Bad that's a little bit hard, I think that is a hard entry point for some people is the idea that you're, you have an anti-hero at the center. You don't have yeah, the traditional true. like hero's journey that you think about in most popular culture. And I, I think from that vantage point, I think to your point, like this will, this will go on and on and last. This will be something that people revisit in 50 years and say like, let me look at a really well-produced, well-put-together piece of art and they'll come back to this. Just the same way people are still revisiting Citizen Kane as like yeah. a seminal piece of, of film, you know, it's the same thing with this. So I certainly think that, um, that this will live on and on and on. Well, that's all I had for this show, Josh, which sounds crazy to say, but do you have anything else before we tease our next project? That's everything for me. All right. Well, thank you so much for to our listeners for joining us on all of these episodes. It's been a blast. It's been a lot of hard work, uh, but I think we've had some really good discussions along the way. And for those of you who have listened to all of them, thank you for making it this far. Thanks for listening to us. And Josh, now let's talk about, just very briefly, we're still kind of refining the idea, so we don't have a ton of details for listeners, but we will soon. But Josh, just tell them briefly, what are we thinking about is next for us? Yeah, so we are going to move our focus from a singular show here in Breaking Bad. We're going to move out of the, at least in the immediate future, we're going to move out of the television universe. We're going to move over to do some some film watching. I think we're going to focus a little bit like on the Academy Awards and, and films that have 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 been in that conversation for like best picture and things like that. So we're going to move our focus over to films. I think it'll be a little bit easier for us in terms of episode prep. We'll just have to watch one film, talk about it for a week or, or every two weeks, however often we release episodes, then we can sort of move on, cleanse the palate a little bit. So I, we're still, as Zach said, coming up with the 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 episode structures and, and sort of exactly what we're going to talk about, but we're going to shift our focus into film. So if you're interested in that, uh, we encourage you to stay subscribed to this podcast feed because it's going to appear right here in your Breaking Pod podcast feed. We'll probably rename it. I think is that right, Zach? We'll we'll rename it, but everything yep. else. Yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll actually probably um, keep these episodes here for now, but eventually move all the Breaking Pod episodes to a new Breaking Pod feed, and we'll just rename this feed to whatever the new podcast name is. TBD, uh, by the way. But we'll also release a trailer in the coming weeks about that new project of ours. And then you can look for the new episodes that drop sometime in January, February 21. So, so all of that is to say, if you're interested in what's coming up next, you don't have to do anything in your podcast feed. Just stay tuned. We're excited for a new adventure in 2021. I will also say, you know, we've been inspired by a couple of our favorite podcasts on film. One of them is, is the rewatchables, which is a very popular one. You may have heard. Uh, the other is the big picture or another is the big picture. Uh, which is just a, a podcast about you know filmmaking and the film industry. And Josh and I listen to both of those podcasts uh, and really like what they do and how they do it. So we're going to try to incorporate some of those things. Uh, but I would also say if you have feedback for us or ideas for us in what movies to focus on, maybe you know we're looking for we're thinking about our first movies to focus on in the first few episodes. So if you have some ideas for those, uh, feel free to send us a note. Like Josh said, probably something around the Academy Awards. We want to, we want to choose some way to kind of bound our, our subject matter. Um, so maybe something like, you know, films that either won Best Picture or were nominated for Best Picture and kind of going back and doing rewatches of those and the discussions, things like that. Or, you know, maybe um, maybe just across all uh, all Academy Awards categories, but just films that were nominated for those. So something like that, um, but still a work in progress. We'll have more info for you soon. Um, but if you have some thoughts for us or some suggestions, some ideas, go ahead and email us breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We always love hearing from listeners and would love to uh, hear from you as we start our next adventure as well. All right, Josh, did we cover it all? I think we did. I mean, I'm sure we, 
I think that the beauty of Breaking Bad as a show is, you know, we could probably do another rewatch podcast and talk about entirely new stuff. We're not doing that, listeners, but but we could. And and so we're I think we're just going to do it with know, metastasis next. <laughs> exactly. Did we cover it all? Probably not. But I feel like uh, I've said everything I need to say at this time about Breaking Bad. So thank you for inviting me on this journey. I had a great time, and I look forward to our next project. Yeah, I'm super glad we could do it together, man. It was fun. Uh, to our listeners, really loved it. Again, send us any feedback or ideas. Breaking Pod at Vern- vernacularpodcast.com and until next time have a great week we're also of course we're releasing this just before christmas and new year so have a very happy holidays hopefully it's a great celebration for for all of you um and we'll be back in calendar year 21 so for breaking pod i'm zach and i'm josh have a great week 